Hello, and welcome to the Two Strangers, One Empty Podcast. I'm your co-host, Quesarito. And I'm Omega. This episode, we're going to be going into a deep dive into the metaverse, what it is, what's going on with it, the current state of things, maybe hit on some NFT projects that we've noticed over the past couple of years, and kind of give a snapshot of the current state and where it's going. And I know that I personally have a few kind of philosophical thoughts that developed as I was doing the research for this episode. What do you want to talk about in this episode, Omega? Oh, I'm going to I'm going to be talking about the money baby. I want to be talking about <laughs> the most expensive land on the metaverse. There are some crazy numbers out there. Um some mind-blowing figures that you could buy a lot of pie with. Could that be your be your thing? So I'm I'm stoked to to run through some of those lists that I found. Yeah, go big or go home. But yeah, so that's what we have in store for today. A lot of good research topics. Got a lot of good links in our Discord here. Uh, but first, how are you doing today, Omega? Oh man, I'm, I'm I'm doing good. For once, this is not going to be a sweaty podcast. Yes, um, <laughs> the temperature has has cooled down. I mean, it helps. I am wearing shorts in the dark, which is always good. But I've I've had a fantastic day at the PGA Golf over at Wentworth in in the UK today. Some, mm-hmm. some wonderful hospitality over there. So we got saw Rory McIlroy hit some balls in on the 18th and, and, and bits and pieces. So I've, I've had a good time today. Very nice. How about you? Uh, really good. Uh, just really knocking out everything on my to-do list and everything I've been building up for quite some time. And now I finally feel like I'm in a state where things are getting rolling. And yeah, just working with some uh, charity groups and civil society here in real life uh, to help balance out the screen addiction of Web3 and Discords and feels like we're finally getting to a really good place and yeah that's pretty much where i'm at and it's feeling good so i think we're both uh things are finally getting back on track it feels like yeah man you're building up all of the karma points for for both of us with the amount of charity work (laughs) and and good stuff that you do in in real life Um, yes i would say i'm jealous but i don't have the time to do what you do yeah it's (laughs) it's the benefit of not having a wife and kids Uh, i can kind of do whatever i want and it feels good to put good vibes out in the universe and uh see what comes back to us uh, all in good time well (laughs) talking about universes yes talk about metaverses what a great transition omega holy shit yes let's talk about metaverses um so i can start out and then you kind of do your spiel but for me when i think about metaverses i immediately start thinking of VR headsets, Mark Zuckerberg, things of that nature. But as I was going into this research and really thinking about it, um, it's not necessarily like a ready player one. I think we have a tendency to fall into a trap of thinking that the metaverse is ultimately going to enter into a world where the physical real world becomes dystopia because everyone and their mothers are glued to these virtual (laughs) worlds. And as I was researching it and thinking about, well, what exactly is a metaverse? I naturally kind of zoomed out in a way. And I was thinking, well, what what is the metaverse? And it's not necessarily these VR chat and these big headsets. It can be video games. It can be Minecraft is what I thought about. I thought of Roblox. I thought of Grand Theft Auto and Rust and games of that nature. And it came into this concept of essentially creating a second life, a virtual world where we can be whoever we want, 
do whatever we want, associate and be friends and do things with the people that we want to. And so I inevitably, I came to this kind of three-point structure of what really makes a metaverse. But we can get into all that stuff later. But that's my initial thoughts of what I think about metaverses. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd agree. Like like you said, metaverse is is kind of the, the new buzzword really for a, a virtual world or a virtual social construct, as I'd probably put it as, as kind of the framework for, for this conversation. I mean, we've been using metaverses for, for years, even back when the internet was, was first born. And you had these chat rooms with without any graphics. Arguably, you could say that's um, a, a metaverse, right? Just just without graphics. I, and I think a true metaverse now is, is is kind of a place, like you said, where you can be whomever you wish to be or whatever you want to be. If you if you're into the animal ones or, or whatever, but I think the key part is that that social aspect through either voice communications or text and, and world building. Um, and they all come in in various different shapes and sizes. I think we all are hoping potentially for that Ready Player One kind of model. And for those that aren't familiar with with that book or, or future movie that, that that came out, it's kind of sitting there with your headset on and, and being transported into this this virtual world where you can control your character with with your, your movements and bits and pieces. Now we're we're almost there, but not to the not to that that level of scale. Um, but yeah, so I, right. I, I think for me that's that's what metaverse means, and and we're all we're all used to it. We've all been doing it for a long time. Um, called out some good ones, right? Like Minecraft, Fortnite, um, Second Life is an actual game where you could it was probably one of the first where you could buy and sell and create an in-game economy for real money and, and make money, and people had jobs in there. Right. Yeah, I think historically we've seen these as kind of video games where people are glued to screens and parents. I, I think, you know, I immediately kind of went to start thinking about the parent-child dynamic of parents being concerned that their kids will be glued to these video games. And back in the day, you know, when we were playing Mortal Kombat, Pac-Man, very single-player, non-social. And there was this concern that these kids would grow up to be very antisocial, that they're not going to apply themselves in real life because they're losing themselves in these virtual worlds and not going to be able to do well in real life. But a lot has changed in the past, what, 30, 40 years since the initial generation of video games. And it's developed into full-fledged economies where you can realistically and actually probably even create a living faster and more lucrative than if you try to do something in the real world, right? I mean, we have people on Twitter now who are making quarter million dollars of a year just doing tweets. And similarly, you have these 12-year-olds making hundreds of thousands of dollars with Minecraft YouTube channels and, and whatnot, and even creating an economy within the game themselves in the form of, you know, loot box skins that you can sell for profit as you play the game. And these things are bleeding over into the Web3 crypto NFT universe where you can, uh, I, I personally haven't seen any games, but one that first comes to mind was like that Pokemon-like game. I forget what it was called. I don't know if you remember, but it was a couple of years ago. It started with an A, but it was effectively a Pokemon-like game where as you play, you get these little 
monster beings that become an NFT and then you sell the NFT and people were making tens of thousands of dollars just playing a silly video game. So in a way, the metaverse could effectively become, and I think it slowly or quickly will enter that realm where we could probably make more lucrative livings through metaverses than in real life itself. And I think that's where things might be headed. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I can't recall the name myself now. It's completely fallen out of my head. I initially thought you were talking about that garbage Eth project that did that Pokemon <laughs> mimic that turned out to be the biggest heap of junk in in the <laughs> world, and, and the art was laughable. Um, but no, you're you're absolutely right. People make more money or have the ability to make more money online by doing some of these metaverse activities. And and Second Life to me was really one of the first and and probably the most famous examples of having that in-world economy where people genuinely had jobs. So everything was community-driven. You could buy and sell land, and and some of these pieces of land would go for thousands of dollars. People were making custom articles of clothing, custom items to be used, and people were buying them and would set up shops in-game and buy and sell them for for real money right and if you were to look at the real world and the accessibility just to go hey i'm gonna become a farmer and i'm gonna sell my wheat there's no chance (laughs) in in hell you're gonna buy some land (laughs) and and this but the metaverse allows you to press the i want to be a farmer button and you play enough and build up your own social reputation enough then people will buy the resources or, or whatever that they want from you for for real world money to progress themselves in in whatever they're trying to achieve. Um, yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah, in, in some ways, you know, these metaverses are kind of accelerators for what people want to do in real life, but simply can't. But within these metaverses, they can. Effectively, is kind of what you're pointing towards, I think. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. And uh, EVE Online is, is probably another great example. Mm-hmm. So EVE Online is yes. this kind of epic scale space game, right? Um, and and people buy and sell spaceships for thousands and thousands of, of, of dollars. And obviously space travel is just not a thing for, for us as humans right now. So that's enabled people to live their dream in this kind of truly spacey uh, metaverse even um, and, and making money from that. And people take it really seriously. You know, it is people's full-time job to, to, to do these things and mine those asteroids or, or whatever it may be. And, that game, but you're absolutely right. It, it's definitely a means for people to accelerate success from a money making perspective, but equally an opportunity to relax. We're, we're focusing on the money making aspect here, but metaverses were, were were kind of originally created for leisure time, right? Um, hence mm-hmm. the the World of Warcrafts in the world, the the Havo hotels, the Roblox Fortnites, you 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 name it. Um, kind of it's it's right. been done and it and it's there. I think. For me, the next step and and the Facebook guys or Meta as they're now called, we're we're looking to make that step in in creating business metaverses. So meeting rooms, virtual meeting rooms where you put on your headset, you all sit around a table. I guess the the early days of a holodeck, right? If you see any movie in, in Star Wars and they press the button and the grand councils are all in this room and they're all holograms. Mm-hmm. Exactly the same principle, <laughs> but just with VR headsets, right? Um mm-hmm. And I think when that sort of stuff comes to fruition and, and is more widely accepted, um, then we'll see 
see more of these much larger metaverses kind of being created that are part of daily life and, and more socially acceptable. Right. Yeah. There's something to be said that I think a lot of these metaverses, what they, what, what makes them so appealing and what makes them so prevalent that it basically soaks up the, all the leisure time that kids have and that even adults have after work and when they want to zone out and just lose themselves for a bit is it really appeals to that creative part of the human imagination where you can be whoever you want, do whatever you want, and you're not judged for what you look like or necessarily what you sound like, but what you do in the game and how you interact with these virtual worlds. And I think it lets people have a little bit of form of escapism. And when you combine it with the ability to make real money to fund your real world lifestyle, it can be easily something that soaks you in for good. So it kind of naturally leads to the next kind of point, the points that I had mentioned earlier that I want to make was, well, what is it that makes a metaverse? And I think there's three very important characteristics that creates a metaverse. And from this framework, I was able to look at, oh, well, Minecraft is a metaverse instead of just thinking of that initial thought of the Star Wars, you know, virtual headset type thing. And the first, these three components of first one, it's virtual that you can get lost in. It's something similar to when you're watching a movie and you're completely engrossed in it that you forget all of reality, I think is one of the major components. Second component would be that it's social in nature. You know, what makes a metaverse is that you interact with other people in the, who are real people as well and not just these single player games like Fruit Ninja or Candy Crush or what have you. <laughs> That's what separates, you know, we, we call they're all video games, but one is a metaverse and one is just pure dopamine. <laughs> and, the, and the third would be that it's sandbox in nature. So you can effectively do whatever you want. You can create your own goals, develop your skills and make things happen. And it reminds me, I visited some of my baby cousins not too long ago. And the youngest one is completely addicted to Minecraft. And when I'm socializing, they're Parents have to say, oh, hey, go say hi hi to your cousin. And just turn, she does that kid thing, turn around, hi, and then gets right back to what she's doing. But it made me think that it's not necessarily a bad thing, these metaverses. Because when I, I looked a little closer and I asked her, well, what is it that you're doing? And I've never played Minecraft myself, and I'm not too familiar with it. But they have electrical grid systems. I don't know how it works or how it was, but I was watching <laughs> her play and I was astounded because she basically had created multiple bases in her little Minecraft world and created electrical circuits connected with railroads so that she could send her animals and you know, things to wherever base she wants to. So I saw her take a cow and put it into one of these train tracks, activate an electrical circuit and said, okay, bye-bye, Mr. Moo Moo, sends him over to her other base. I'm like, did my six or seven-year-old baby cousin just create an electrical grid? using Minecraft. And it just blew my mind, like how many years of, <laughs> you know, schooling would that have taken, but she just did it through experience. And, you know, it, it makes me pretty optimistic about the future generations based on what they're able to build in these metaverses. Yeah, I, I, I think you, you've called out a really, really interesting point there about using metaverses to inherently teach you something. Um, so on the flip side of your lack of Minecraft knowledge, I am very much a Minecraft fan and have spent thousands of hours <laughs> playing it my, myself. And I had a very interesting um, in, incident happen to me 
last week where I was talking to, to, to one of my colleagues and noticed on Teams that they had a beehive in their office. And I was mm. like, oh, that's really cool. Do you, uh, do you do apiary? And they were like, how do you know it's called this kind of thing? And, and then I was like, well, I, I feel like I know quite a lot about beekeeping and then starting <laughs> talking about all of these things. And they were like, oh, wow, are you part of a club? Like, how do you know all this stuff? And I was like, well, I'll be honest with you. I have a bee mod on Minecraft and I have spent so much time raising bees on Minecraft that I know that, like, you have 1,500 bees a month that come through. I know how the queen bee works. I know how to identify when a new queen is being developed and when a hive's going to go and how a hive works and all of those sorts of things, which in in normal world... <laughs> I would never I would never know any of these sorts yeah, of things not a because chance. I've been playing playing in in this metaverse with my friends uh, around all these things I've been I've inherently picked up skills that could truly translate in into the real world like if I had a beekeeping costume right now and saw a swarm I would absolutely know what to do to get that swarm removed from that place and relocate it <laughs> like you know, and it's bonkers I, it's, yeah you, why should I know that knowledge? And I just know it from from playing in a metaverse. I had no idea about this about you, Omega. You, you truly still are a stranger to me in many ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but it's absolutely true, and and I think you learn so much. Whether it be you're playing Eve Online, you're inherently going to pick up around kind of long distance travel, how mechanisms of spaceships work, and the engines and pulse drives and kinetic energy and or i don't know even down to world of warcraft level and i'm not talking about magic and all of those sorts of things but econ like economics and managing an auction house and how to make money and buying and selling and trading and all of these in, inherent traits that you can pick up and, and and skills it's it's a long stone's throw away from sitting on your sofa back in the year 2000 beating each other up on mortal Kombat. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, I'm look. I'm now. I'm starting to think about how you know, these video games and metaverses helped impact my real world life. And when I started playing video games, I, I was playing mostly city builders and forex games. Like Civilization was a core part of my life for very, very many years, and still is in some ways. But through that, I learned so much about history in general. Playing the Civilization games and economics and all these different concepts that I just kind of built a natural intuition for it. And so doing history classes and economics classes, I just blew through those things like no other through high school and university. And it just, I had this intuition developed after playing these games. And that led to becoming an investor in real life at an age where, you know, I think I started investing when I was 21, 22 and, you know, People don't really even think about investing necessarily until they're in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. And you know, in a way, that's another example of how the metaverse can really help people, you know, improve their own real lives and kind of have that translation. And I think that's going to be one issue, uh, or maybe not necessarily be an issue, but translating these skills and intuitions that we developed within these metaverses in whatever form, whether it be Minecraft, Roblox, Grand Theft Auto, what have you, and translating them to real world skills and having a real world effect. A perfect example would be, you know, 
if it comes to a point where you need to learn how to do some beekeeping or if you one day <laughs> get a, some ranch <laughs> out in the country and in the UK and say, hey, you know, I want to I want to I wanna start making some honey and mead and you can you already know how to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. When, when that zombie apocalypse hits and I need to start doing crop rotation, <laughs> I'm all for it. I know how to irrigate a field. I know mm-hmm. how to do crop rotation. I know what grows in what sort of dirt and where and the sun and the shade and the heat and all that sort of stuff. I think yeah. it, I think it's really cool and it, and it does does teach people a lot. But here's here's an interesting kind of thought for you. I mean, in, given the world of AI is 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 coming, it, it's, it's slowly happening and, and speeding up massively over these last few months. When the world gets to a point where lots of things are automated, do you think? This is when the Ready Player One world will happen where people favor metaverse jobs over real world jobs because you go, well, actually, I'd rather just go in my office, put a headset on and be a farmer because I know there's a market there versus going out, going into the going into an office block and pressing buttons on a keyboard and making the man some money, you know? Like, yeah, I, it's a question that I've been thinking about quite a lot over these past few months, ever since GPT-4 came out and all this generative AI AI tools came out. What I think is going to be the transition and kind of the key moment in human history is when we incorporate these AI machine learning models into robotics, where now AI can have have physical control over the real world. And I think that's going to be a key moment where we're going to have to start considering what does it actually mean to be human and what is work and why do we do it and why do we need to do it? I think a lot in terms of getting first getting rid of all the shitty jobs to begin with. I'm thinking burger flippers, people who hate flipping burgers, but they have to do it to make ends meet, you know, sewage workers, garbage collectors, you know, the really gross jobs that, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really aspire to be. And I think all those jobs could be very well eliminated by AI integrated robotics. And what that means is I think we're going to come to a point where people really to really have to consider what is it that they want to do with their lives and how they want to make a living. And what makes me optimistic is seeing people on Twitter making hundreds of thousands of dollars, 15 year olds having really successful YouTube channels and this, that, and the other. It doesn't take very much to make a living off of the internet. If you think of a subscription model, like a Patreon, if your monthly lifestyle only costs $2,000 a month to live, or even say $5,000 a month to live, you know, $5 Patreon subscription, a thousand subscribers, and boom, you have your monthly lifestyle expenses all covered through the internet. So it's just a matter of finding what's your thing, what are you super into, and how do you monetize it? And the easiest way to monetize is having some kind of form of subscription. And I think that's where the good scenario of robots taking over the world is a good thing. So we can actually do the jobs we want and not necessarily have to grind for nine years just to get into a quarter million dollars of debt and then spend the next 40 years grinding at jobs that we hate. So I think it could be a very good thing if it's done right. What about you? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I do think it's going to be be a fine balance. I mean, uh, call me, call me a bit sadistic on on this one. Maybe that's not the right phrase, but I can absolutely envisage a world 
where it is just kind of going to be these 10 key corporations that kind of keep stuff flowing through. Everyone pays a life subscription, <laughs> you know, to <laughs> to pay these dudes off to keep the world running. And then you wake up in the morning and put a headset on and do whatever it is you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you said, AI can run all of the traffic lights. It can run all of the street cleaners, the trash disposal, I don't know, so which is like oh, all of the basic, like you said, the jobs people don't want to do. We've already got um, employee-free takeaway places where it's basically a ginormous vending machine with an automated kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you get down to, to that level, then short from, I don't know, would you even need bankers anymore? Because you'll just have clever algorithms being being bankers and and. and bits and pieces like that i don't know i i think it could go go down that route um i think there's a a fine line we need to tread as humanity on on that but i'm all for it i use ai and bits and pieces where i where i can um i've recently subscribed to the chat gpt four module as well and started throwing in all my plugins to to assist me at work and and that sort of stuff and the productivity increase is is ginormous right you can create a whole proposal framework to then in like seconds Whereas before it'd take you a couple of days and then you can just fill in the gaps and, and top and tail it and, and off you go. Right. Yeah. And I think that for, for that world to come into fruition where we don't necessarily need banks because everything's kind of done for us, you know, I immediately just think about reflection tokens almost almost straight away because uh, we're going back to our reflection tokens episode. You, you're essentially, as you pile up on these coins and you're participating in a particular economy that runs off of a reflection token, the more they have and the more active that economy is, the more of that token you get. So you're not necessarily making money by doing things. You're simply making money by participating in a particular economy and you just get a small percentage of every transaction that occurs within that economy. So in a way, it it's a potential very far off, but I had that idea of you know, what if a CBDC was a reflection token so that if the American dollar, you know, let's just use this as an example, the American dollar was this a reflection token where 7% of every transaction denominated in dollars gets distributed to everyone who's holding the American dollar reflection token CBDC. That kind of eliminates any need necessarily to make a living. And if you want to work for money, it's just extra. But as long as you have a savings account and spend less than you have take coming in, you don't necessarily need to work. I mean, I mean, maybe we're talking pure fantasy, but the technology is real. The technology is there. And I don't know, that, that was another thought that was keeping me awake at night so that we can play around these metaverses endlessly. Yeah, I think that I think I mean the reflection token stuff is is interesting. I guess we have it to some degree with with interests on your savings from banks, but ultimately that's because the bank is borrowing your money to make investments um and, and they're paying you back. But I think that flatline reflection token to then share back with people would would be super interesting, right? It would reward the people removing the currency from the 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 ecosystem by putting it in their savings and the more they have, the more they earn. And like you said, if they if they want to do more to build that up, then then, then they, they absolutely can do. Um, but at the end of the day, if we're all sat in front of our, well, we won't be sat in front of anything, we'll have a headset on. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to leave our houses. We don't need to spend any money. We'll just have sludges or drip feeds into us to keep us alive and mm-hmm. we can just play games all the time. 
Yeah, and that's where I was entering the more philosophical. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's where I was entering more philosophical things when I was doing all this speech to think about the metaverses. Well, what what do we have to do to avoid the Ready Player One scenario where the real world is this dystopia because all the good and smart people are glued to their screens and their headsets? And I, I think a lot of that, you know, it's going to come to a point where we have to reconsider what it means to be human. We still have physical human bodies, even though our brains and our minds want to go into this fast-paced dopamine rush, you know, metaverses. And uh, and it's something that I was struggling, you know, even you can consider Discord and Web3 and Twitter life a form of a metaverse and forcing yourself to disengage every now and then and, you know, the whole touch grass movement of really forcing yourself to get outside, move your body, get to the gym, go on hikes, look at the sun for, or be in the sun, <laughs> not necessarily look at the sun directly, but just being in the sun and engaging with real people in the real world. And we continuously have to make a, a, a conscious effort to make this happen because if we just let ourselves go, we're just going to be glued to our screens because that's just where all the dopamine is. And it takes a long time to to, you know, if a kid has a dream to get into Harvard, it takes a lot of time and effort and a lot of pain versus, you know, something like a World of Warcraft. I don't know, maybe some Harvard guild that you want to get to in World of Warcraft or what have you. It's a much faster process than having to wait for four years and then wait on the uh, acceptance letter and what have you. So I, I think we're going to have to make a real conscious effort to maintain our health and our vitality in the real world while we engage with these metaverses that have really lucrative and compelling opportunities that they present to us. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, there's going to be that fine line. I mean, up until the point where a university becomes its own metaverse and instead of limiting it to, I don't know, 10,000 kind of students there, it then becomes online. And you could have lecture halls full of 10,000 people. You know, mm -hmm. you pay your, your $20 per month to attend any class in, on anything you ever want. And you register for it and you get your dissertation or whatever at the, the end of it. I mean, you have open university and stuff like that online. But imagine that in a 3D space to, to get the interaction. Right. Yeah. So I you bring up a really good point. I mean, let's just take that Harvard University as an example. What if the professors there were given a lecture instead of a big ass hall with 300 students with varying degrees of interest, they host a virtual lecture and you can have, you know, an, an endless amount of students that could, that could enter that room. And so you're giving way more people a Harvard ed quality education through online. And it really makes no difference if you're sitting in the hall physically versus sitting behind a computer or with a VR headset and the opportunities there are incredible. I, I'd be really curious to see if Harvard and these top universities, you know, start using, utilizing this form of education and taking for the example of teaching beekeeping through play, through Minecraft, <laughs> you know, yeah. Harvard, <laughs> like, you know, Harvard makes their own Minecraft servers, so to speak, and they have their own experts teaching people and they can actually practice, you know, what they're learning and you know, I, I think the sky's the limit. I mean, teaching chemistry and physics within these virtual worlds rather than, you know, through textbooks and PowerPoints, you can actually play around with it. And I think, you know, things like uh, two video games come to mind, the Kerbal Space Program and Terran Victa, where you design your own rocket ships. So you can literally teach people rocket science 
through play in these metaverses and seeing the effect it would have in the real world, so long as the game engine is realistic and close to real world uh, laws of physics. Yeah, we, 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 we kind of saw that during COVID here in the UK. I don't know what it was like elsewhere in the world where all schools went virtual. Um, so it was all, all over Teams and that's how lessons were done. Now, I think the key thing here would be immersion. Like it's very easy for a child or a student to be distracted when it's just a screen and you can look around. But if you were truly immersed in that world with these VR headsets or what other future technology may may be to make you see this thing around you, I think that's the key to the success in in getting that that learning um, kind of experience. But yeah, learning through doing is is absolutely going to be the the way forward. Like Minecraft already have the Minecraft education version where they do elements of of what you said and schools can do that to teach things like architecture and and, and other bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're completely so we, right. We, we are going in that direction. And we've already seen it kind of the gamification of of learning as well, but on on the flip side of training artificial intelligence. I mean anyone that's been on on the internet for long enough will re- recognize capture forms. I think mm-hmm. you would have to be an idiot not to have recognized for the last 3 or 4 years we have been training AIs. Mm-hmm. It's going to us tell us which one of these is actually a, a dog, a cat, a whatever it may be, type in these words and I'll see if I... Uh, do you know what I mean? We, we've just been teaching computers what these objects are through recognition and it's probably marrying up in the background somewhere if the computer got it right. And if not, then figure out why it didn't choose the same picture as the, the human. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've just disguised it as a, a multi-factor authentication method for, for accessing things. Yeah, and it's not too far of a step away of using that same process and just doing it for humans and just like play around, you know, your assignment for this class is to make a rocket ship that gets to the moon. Good luck. <laughs> and that's it. And so you just trial and error and collaboration and figure out. And I can see these students like, oh, check out this YouTube video. Oh, they did it this way. Okay, yeah. If you switch the core from, you know, sheet metal to aluminum, you know, it, it reduces the weight by this much. And, you know, you could have eight-year-olds designing rocket ships that can feasibly make it <laughs> to the moon in real life. Yeah. <laughs> the same process that we train AI. <laughs> it's a, it's beautiful to see. I, I think we could certainly the, the the silver lining and the beauty of it would be using metaverses to completely revamp our education system. Because I know you brought up that point earlier. It reminded me, uh, as far as immersion goes, you know, I was studying uh, Russian laws in university, and there's one way of learning language through books and a lecture, and then there's another version where you're sent to a place where only people speak Russian and you have to learn through experience. And I learned way more Russian in the two months of being in one of these environments than I did through two years of sitting in a classroom. And so if we're talking about, you know, technology making us more efficient, I think metaverses are 100% the direction we should go for improving our education and just changing how we learn. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's there's lots of possibilities. But let me ask you another question. If you had $4.3 million, <laughs> what would you spend it on? Yes. Oh, my God. I, I don't even know. I don't have plans that far out. But yes, I know you have a ton of, ton of links going into the money behind the metaverses. And this is really fun. So yeah, let, let me know what, what do you got here for us? I'll tell you what you could spend it on. You could absolutely <laughs> spend it on a 24 by 24 grid. 
<laughs> in the sandbox. That's for 971F at the time of whenever this article was written. Oh, the cost of $4.3 million. Oh, my God. Why would you do this? How did we get here? What is going on? This is, I can't, I, I have no idea where you found these articles, but yes, uh, you dropped this link to top five most expensive virtual land sales ever made. <laughs> what is yeah. this, Omega? I mean, it's just people have way too much money, right? It reminds, I, I'm, I'm going to be very contradictory here because, yeah, I buy NFTs sometimes. I have been known to spend thousands of dollars on, on NFTs. Like, is a monkey picture any better than a 24 by 24 grid in, in, in a metaverse for $4.3 million? I mean, you could do a lot <laughs> with that money, right? But I, I, I'm going to make the similarity between adopting a piece of the moon for like $200. Like, it, it, it's kind of the same sort of thing. Um, I mean, there is another one here. Perhaps this is a later article. $5 million for, for a piece of land. Um, one of the first... 4K metaverses, no, no less. Um, wow. That received 19 commercial real estate properties in TCG World, which were collectively worth $5 million. This is mind-blowing. It's I, I did not realize that this had developed so extensively. But yeah, there's this statistic here that if you added the top 10 total sales volume of all these metaverses out on the NFT side of things, it totals to over almost two trillion dollars <laughs> worth of like value exchanged through these things, and I'm just astounded by it personally. Yeah, I mean it. It's crazy to think that virtual real estate could flip real world real estate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in terms of trading. Um, and I, it's curious to kind of think the the reasoning behind that because what makes one virtual piece of land worth more than than another? I mean, because this this way you have to look down into the community. Does it? How does it offer more value to to whoever? Because it's not like I don't know if you buy a place in Miami, you have this wonderful beach in front of you, and there's this allure to to be there. You know, this is just digital. Um, and it would only take one patch by the developer to make this this kind of I don't know piece of land that you bought or this building that you bought to be completely different to what it was originally. Um, I guess unless it was it was kind of made as an NFT and, and put on yeah. the blockchain, never to be changed, right? Yeah, um, I, I would imagine it follows the same principles of of real estate. You know, they say location, location, location. So, well, what is it that that makes the location good? It's well. There's a lot of people there and a lot of business is getting done there. So real estate is valuable and that's the same in real life. And it's no different in these virtual worlds where real transactions are being made and real people are associating around them within these virtual worlds. And I, I think that's what that's what gives such high value to some of this virtual real estate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just... it's just mental. And yeah. I'm sure there'll be more expensive pieces of land virtual real estate and, and stuff coming over the years that are that are sold. Um, yeah. yeah, I wonder if the, the most expensive one will be like, I don't know if there's a proper metaverse that's made where corporations have virtual headquarters in them and Google <laughs> buys one, yeah. you know, for billions or something to secure, 
this ginormous plot in the world's most popular metaverse or, yeah. or something. That's a very interesting point you make. Yeah, because at least in the NFT space, from my memory, it was about early, the first half of 2022 was really the heyday of these NFT virtual real estate things. You know, I think of portals, uh, for example, that was my first, you know, NFT flipping trades that make me some serious money, like a couple months worth of salary per NFT flipping it. And that's what got me really pulled into the space was, wow, it really was that easy. It was flipping digital real estate and you know they, they've, they've since crashed but when you brought the point of these headquarters another nft project that uh, stuck out and i still keep tabs on is uh, yaku have you heard of yaku no i haven't no. so the yakuverse they basically decided that they want to make a triple a style game so you can think of grand theft auto uh, in a way where you have this avatar running in the world where you have your own little apartment and you can ride your motorcycle around and it's a, a, a very it's very fleshed out and beautiful world they have the alpha out but since then the, the project is tanked as far as price wise goes but they did take that concept of well let's create these skyscrapers within this yakovus interactive virtual world and they reached out to big projects at the time to have you know so the smbs have their own tower and i think stoned apes have their own tower within this Yakuverse and they have little billboards with their NFTs showing it's their tower and anyone can interact with them, but only the people holding both an SMB and a Yaku capsule NFT was able to have, you know, their own digital real estate, which was an actual room within, you know, this, this tower. And, you know, that was the, these were selling for, I think like a grand or two, I believe at the height of, of the, of the heyday back in the early 2020s. 2022 so i think you're right it'd be interesting to see how that would play out in the real world where companies like amazon and microsoft are renting out this virtual <laughs> real estate space for their own businesses yeah absolutely or like digital high streets right like if you could have your favorite clothing stores and stuff you could walk down you can view all of the the items of clothing that you want to wear in real life but on your your avatar that hopefully looks something like you or maybe you're a minotaur or something i don't know but if you had these virtual high streets that you could walk down and 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 like you said go to work by logging in and walking i don't know there's loads of possibilities but i think until these metaverses um have the ability to attract the general consumer and provide ongoing value then i think they're just going to be flash pan projects um hopefully some of them stick and and because there's lots of good developers and lots of good builders that are going into these sorts of things um and it's a future that i'm excited for but I think, in, yeah, until there's this constant reason to keep going back to these metaverses, um, then, yeah, they, they look cool. You walk around it for a couple of minutes and you're like, oh, okay, well, that was nice. Mm -hmm. well, that, 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 that's it, right? Yeah, no, that was exactly my experience playing around the portals. I bought one, played around like, oh, that's cool. But uh, nah, it, that, that's pretty much it. And then I sold it when it was at a high price. And same with the Yakuvers. I played around with Alpha. and was like, oh, this is nice. But, you know, it's it's certainly going to need some time to develop and really mature and give people a reason to interact in these Web3 NFT virtual worlds as opposed to what they do nowadays, with Minecraft, Roblox, Discord, Twitter, whatnot. I'm, I'm really excited to see how it all fleshes out as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. it's going to be cool. Yeah. Well, uh, anyways, you got any uh, final points you want to make before we uh, close this episode out? Yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted to, to offer some some gentle advice and reminders for people around 
cybersecurity and, and protecting their their wallet. So on the 8th of September, um, $24 million was drained from an Ethereum wallet, um, and they suspect it was done in a phishing scam. So phishing attacks typically involve like deceptive emails, text, phone calls, where people are tricked into giving away sensitive information. It's just a reminder to people, if you're using 2FA and it prompts you and there's no reason for it to prompt you, you're probably being scammed if somebody's asking for your passwords or input your 24 12 digit kind of wallet ids and stuff like that you're probably about to be scammed it doesn't feel right if it sounds too good to be true probably is a scam just be yeah. safe on that. yeah that's exactly right to slow down sometimes and we can easily get caught up with our to-do list and doing a million things at once and all it takes is uh a lapse of attention to click on a link and do something that looks about right. Uh, I know I've, as experienced as I've been, I have fallen for one of these once and I got burned one NFT that was worth about two grand, but hey, you know, you live and you learn. <laughs> Slow down, verify the links and uh, don't get too distracted amidst the uh, metaverse craziness. And my point of advice to close this episode out would just be, you know, find balance between the real world and the digital worlds. You know, we're still humans. We still have physical bodies to take care of. And it's very easy to get lost in the addiction and the dopamine and the novelty of all the cool stuff that's happening. Sound advice. Well, yeah. on that note, let's hit that outro. Yes, let's hit that outro and see if the AI take, picks it up rather than taking it out. You've been listening to Two Strangers, One NFT Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it to your friends, family, your dog, your cat. Drop five stars on Spotify if you liked it. And yeah, anything else you'd like to add to that, Omega? No, man. Just share the news, share the love, and share the world. I've been Omega. And I've been Quesarito. We'll see you next episode. <laughs>